not love this time of year. I love this time of year. I mean, not the weather. Although yesterday was breathtaking, wasn't it? But I love this time of year. I love all the lights and the decorations that go with it. My wife and I had our own light-up night. We put everything up before the weather turned bad. So I was out there in a T-shirt putting all the lights on. And then Christmas, or Thanksgiving weekend, we plugged everything and turned it on. And neighbors didn't know they'd been up there for weeks on end. Not like they were up there in July. And the movies. I mean, my wife and I have gotten in this whole flow of the Hallmark Christmas movie series. Any been doing that? I mean, how do you not know they're going to get married at the end of the show? I mean, you know it, walking in, that's the two that are going to get married by the end of the show. And then that thing the other night with the Ferris wheel, my goodness, I'm bawling at the end of the thing. I know you're saying, okay, how is it that a Harley riding tough guy like you watches Hallmark movies? I'm in touch with both sides of my personality. But how do you not watch that stuff and get emotional? I mean, it's just an amazing time of the year. And the music, I love the music. That song was phenomenal. All the songs we did this morning, the rendition of them, I can't wait till next Sunday, I can't wait till Christmas Eve. I love the songs and the music that come out at this time of the year. More songs have been written about this event and the birth of Jesus than any other earthly event. More songs have been written about this event and the birth of Jesus than any other earthly event. This is a quiz. Now, if you know the answer, because some of I've talked to before and the sound guys can't answer it, but what Beatles song came from the context of the Christmas story? What Beatles song came from the context of the Christmas story? What is it? Who said it first up here somewhere, though, right? Let it be. I can't believe that. One person finally got it in the first service. Let it be. Remember Mary's response? When the angel came to her in Luke chapter 1, you're going to conceive and give birth to a son. You're to call him Jesus. He'll be great and called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and of his kingdom. There'll be never an end. Mary said, how can this be? Since I'm a virgin, the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The one that will be born in you is called the Son of God. Now, the NIV version says, May your word be fulfilled. The English Standard Version says, Let it be according to your word. When I find myself in trouble, Mother Mary comes to me speaking words of wisdom. Let it be, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing in front of me speaking words of wisdom. Let it be, let it be. Who would have ever guessed the Beatles, for heaven's sake? You, by the way, ma'am, get the prize, or a prize. I've got some up here for you this morning. I want you to take a moment, turn to your neighbor, relative, better, but turn to your neighbor, someone near you, and sh tell them your favorite Christmas song and favorite Christmas artist. Yeah, right now, turn to each other. Favorite Christmas song, favorite Christmas artist. All right, now how many are sitting beside someone they know and someone they've known for a long time and have said, really? I didn't know that. Seriously, how many of you are sitting beside somebody and did not know the answer to that question? How many said joy to the world? 
Silent night, way in a manger. Oh, holy night, a lot of people's first Noel is one of my favorites. Jingle bells, that one didn't come up in the first service. <laughs> Mary, did you know, is one of my favorites. Especially Mark Lowry, who wrote it, his version of that song is absolutely captivating. All right, favorite artist. How many said Bing Crosby? Only a few of you? Nat King Cole? Who else out there? Stephen Curtis Chapman? <laughs> who? Who? Elvis. Who said Elvis? Seriously. Elvis. I mean, if he doesn't sing Blue Christmas one more time, I won't be disappointed. My son-in-law, the other day, we were out hunting. I almost shot him. We said, I love Elvis stuff. I said, you're kidding. At Christmas. In your bulletin is a half a dozen inserts, all right? On the back of one of them, I want you to take a moment. I'm going to write something. I want you to write something down. Ready? What you believe are the top five favorite Christmas songs, the survey says thing we're going to do in a minute. What do you think are the top five secular and the top five sacred or carols? Write them down. Five on five, five and five. Top five favorite secular, top five favorite Christmas carols. And we got prizes for those who come the closest. Vanna White, come on. Nick, you're going to be my Vanna. A couple of weeks ago, we went to, with the Upstreet Gang, to Christmas Carol in a number of places, nursing homes. It was an incredible time to be there and go up and down the halls and sing. And, and we would always ask them, what are your favorites? And one of the people in our group gave a song book to one of the ladies down the room. And he said, now you pick any of your favorite song and we'll come back and sing it to you. So we all gathered around her bed and she's just an invalid, been in a wheelchair for a long period of time and said, what's your favorite song? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So we sang it. I'm going, seriously, that's your favorite song. All right. You ready? All right, we're going to do Survey Says, and you're going to reach into that basket there or candy bar or thing there. Seriously? All right, now you got to see, and we're going to trust you, all right? We're going to do the, you ever see Family Food Feud, you know, the, Top five. All right. Number five. This is Christmas songs. So this is the secular side, right? Jingle Bell Rock. Number four. So Mommy's Kissing Santa Claus. Who doesn't like Michael Jackson's version of that? Number three. Rudolph. There you go. Number two. The Chipmunks song, right? Alvin. We all know that one. Number one. All right, now here you go. Got to trust you. How many got all five? Anybody got all five? Anybody got four out of five right? Doesn't matter the order, but four out of five right. Anybody? I can't see hands. So you got to tell me. You really did? Four out of five? Huh? Who got four out of five? <laughs> How do you cheat? <laughs> now I know how they cheat. Three out of five. Three out of five. Who got three out of five? I mean, the first service was better than you guys. Nobody got three out of five? Two out of five. All right, we got a few of those. So 
We're going to have to hold off on that. So we're going to go to the next one, and we'll see what we got, all right? These are the other side, the Christmas carols. Number five is... Oh, come all ye faithful, number four. Hark the held angels sing, number three. God rest ye merry gentlemen. Number two. Everybody knew that away in the manger. And number one, top Christmas song. Now, Jason did the research on the internet, so it's kind of hard. I mean, I'm sure you all have different opinions of that. Number one, angels we have heard on high. Okay, now, anybody, doesn't matter the order, anybody get all five of those? Help me out, Nick, if you see them. Anybody? Four out of five. Three out of five. Where? All right, three out of five. Go back there and let her pick out what she wants. In the box. No more three out of fives? Where? All right, Nate's got some. Nick, go all the way around. Nate, get to pick out of the box what you want. You know, if we had five out of fives, I had a gift card for Red Lobster. I had a gift card for Red Lobster for anybody who got four out of five and didn't cheat in first service. So. <laughs> All right, anybody else got three out of five? Nate's got them. Anybody else over here? You've got some over here? Nick, work your way over that side in the back. Anybody else on this side? Keep on going, Vanna. <laughs> Get the pick out of the box what you want. I'll tell you, one of the things that I love this time of the year is the opportunity to sing these songs. In the night when you walk up and down nursing homes like we did in a variety of settings, we did it last year with our small group, still to me one of the highlights of our small group year is being able to go as a small group and go to Sunnyview and walk up and down the halls and sing. Some of the people are tears streaming down their face. They love the music. They love the fact that somebody remembered them. They love the opportunity to sing the songs themselves. There were places that we stopped. They would sing right along with us no matter what it is that we saw, sang. They love the opportunity to be able to share time together and uh, this event. There's something about this event and the Christmas story that brings a smile at your face and puts a song in your heart. There's something about this event and the Christmas story that brings a, a sense of stability to an otherwise crazy, unstable world. To get to the real meaning of Christmas, obviously you've got to push past Santa Claus, North Pole catastrophes, irritating relatives, office parties, greedy Grinches, and stingy Scrooges to get to the real meaning of Christmas. You see, this story is the story of love. From beginning to end, it's the story of love. It is the story of a young woman's spiritual journey and a young man's pure love for that woman. Couldn't have been easy for Mary. Any of you grew up in a small town where everybody knew everything about you? That was Nazareth. I mean, there's no way you could hide it. No way everybody didn't know. No way everyone didn't have an opinion about what was going on. Couldn't have been easy for Mary in that kind of small town setting where everybody knew your business to know what was going on in her life. And it couldn't have been easy for a man named Joseph, think of this, to share his wife with God. Did you ever think about that? What it was like for that man to share his wife with God. You see, as we sang a moment ago, and these ladies beautifully sang as well, this story is a real story. It's the real story of a challenge and the difficulties that Mary and Joseph went through. These are not just figurines in a nativity set laying in soft hay. 
They've got sores on their feet. They're emotionally and physically exhausted. It costs them everything to say yes to God and take the journey they did. They were a part of the nation of Israel that we talked about much during our studies of Joshua and Esther. I'm still overwhelmed by the fact that with such a great heritage, unbelievable promises, and incredible miracles taking place everywhere they turned, the children of Israel chose to walk their own way instead of following God's way. They trusted in themselves rather than God, and as a result of that, they paid a pretty dear price. They ended up finding themselves walking in darkness. Instead of choosing to stay under God's protective care, they decided to go on their own way, and they became the prey of every nation around them. Interesting biblical imagery. Sounds a lot like the world we live in today. What I'm overwhelmed with is when you fully understand the state and nature of humanity at that moment and the love of Father God who couldn't let them stay there, who couldn't leave them in that darkness and made some incredible statements and gave them one of the most unbelievable promises that anyone could have imagined in Isaiah chapter 9. If you have your Bibles this morning, you can turn there. When you see that word nevertheless at the beginning of chapter 9, you almost imagine in your mind God saying, I see them. I understand. I know they went their own journey. I know they decided to follow their own path. I knew what they were going to do. I knew what was going to happen, and I knew the price they were going to pay. And I knew the darkness they were going to be in. But in light of all of that, I can't leave them there. In light of the fact they turned their back on me, went their own way, thought they could do life better, thought they had a better answer, I can't leave them there. I cannot leave them in that darkness. Nevertheless, there be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Natali, but in the future, he will honor the Galilee of the nations. Verse 2, the people walking in darkness had seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on his father David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I've got to believe to those who realized they had lost their way, this had to be music to their ears. In a world that has lost its way, God sends an answer, and not just any answer to get through the day, but a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and the prince of peace. God gave them a promise with incredible hope. Some of the lyrics of probably one of the greatest songs ever done about the Messiah, the Messiah, Handel's Messiah, comes out of this section of Scripture and dozens others like it. For unto us a, son is a child is given, unto us a child is born, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. When God makes this promise and makes this statement, he makes a promise to bring fulfillment to life. For a lot of people who are just existing, who after certain events that promised happiness only found themselves empty, God offers life. When Jesus arrives on the scene, he offers the same thing. He said, look, I've come to give you life. 
I've come to give you more than life. I've come to give you abundant life, everlasting life, fulfilling life. I've come to give you everything you've ever wanted, all of it only found in him. Counselor is not the one who gives advice, although Jesus is incredible at that. It more refers to his messianic role, his role as king and ruler. The one who rules and reigns and carries out the best course of action for his people. Now, if running your own life is what you intend to do, you'll probably continue to go in that course of action. But if you want the best direction of your life, then obviously you understand and recognize that you need to turn everything over to him. A lot of people are going to walk through that tank tonight. They're going to basically make a statement. I'm done running my own life. Many of them will say, I tried it. It didn't work. I tried doing my own thing. I tried running my own life. And all of a sudden, I realized how empty it was. And at some point in my journey of life, I realized that I needed to give up. I needed to give up running my own life, doing my own thing, going my own way, and embracing Christ. I wanted to give my life over to Him. I wanted to make a public statement that I'm no longer trying to drive my own car. I'm no longer trying to drive my own life. I've allowed Christ to drive it for me. I've allowed Christ to direct my path. I've allowed Christ to take control of everything in my life. And they're going to make that public statement that they are done going their own way, doing their own thing, following their own path, and they've turned their life over to Jesus. Mighty God speaks to our warrior God who fights for us. Isaiah said, in a world that puts pressure on you, that drains you every day of your life, I want you to know that he, Jesus, is mighty God. He will be your strength. I'd love to be able to pull down the screen this morning and show you what mighty God looks like, but we walk by faith and not by sight. But I can tell you two things about the mightiness of God that you can hold on to. Number one is anything less than God will always let you down. Anything less than God will at some point, at some time in your life, let you down. Your health, your career, your family, your business, your finances, all of it at some point has the potential to let you down. The other day I walked through the mall, met a guy, I'd seen a guy that I hadn't seen for years. This was in my very first church. Typical conversation, how you doing, catching up, and all of those kind of things. And I said, so what's new? He said, I just lost my job. After a long time in the same place. In the mid-50s, it's not easy to find a new career and find a new job, and especially a few weeks before Christmas. A lot of us have an enormous amount of confidence in things that we can see and things that we know in our health, our career, our family, our finances, our work. But I'm just telling you, all of that at some point or the other has the potential to let you down. But I'm telling you right now, Jesus is the only real lasting rock in your life. Second thing you need to know about mighty God is there's no substitute for God because he has no equivalent. You can't replace God with something else and have equal satisfaction, joy, and meaning. Solomon tried it. He said, I went after everything you can possibly imagine. I went after it all only to feel like it was the chasing after the wind. I felt like I was trying to harness the wind with a net of some kind that had holes all through it. And after all of that, having everything at my disposal, I found out that I was still empty without my relationship with God. You may have heard this before, but Aristotle and Socrates taught 40 years each. Plato, Plato 50 years. Jesus, only three. Yet the influence of Christ, three years of ministry, infinitely transcends the impact of the other 130 years combined of those three men. 
who many would say are the greatest philosophers in the world. Jesus painted no pictures, yet the finest paintings of Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci and Raphael received their inspiration from him. He wrote no poetry, but Dante and Milton and scores of others wrote some of the greatest poems anybody has ever heard inspired by Jesus. He composed no music, yet Beethoven, Bach, and Handel reached the highest perfection of music because they composed their music to his praise. Every sphere of human greatness is enriched by what we know in Jesus Christ coming into this world. His contribution to the world was the fact that he was the only one that as Mary heard from the angel that could save their people from their sins. There's no equivalent to him. No one or nothing on earth can offer what he offers. That's why Isaiah said he is mighty God. And then he said he's the eternal father or everlasting father. When he says he's the everlasting father, he said he is God our provider and our protector. When he talked about him being wonderful counselor, he spoke of his omniscience, that he was all-knowing. When he talked about mighty God, he talked about his omnipotence. He is all-powerful. And when he talked about being everlasting father, he speaks of his omnipresence, that he is everywhere, all-seeing. Every need, every problem, every concern that you and I have, as Isaiah said, can be met in the needs of the people who come to him, born in Bethlehem that day and that time that we celebrate. Finally, he says he'll be the Prince of Peace. For over 3,100 years of recorded history, there's only been 200 years of peace. And over 8,000 peace treaties in the history of mankind have been broken at one time or the other. But Isaiah said, the Prince of Peace is coming. Not external, but deep down inside. Every time I do a funeral and did one again this week, the one thing I always want to make sure that I fully clearly communicate is that the one thing that you want to be certain about in life is your relationship with Jesus. I've asked the question a hundred times and I still get a similar answer as when I said to them, if something happened to you tonight, do you know for sure that you would see Jesus face to face? And the typical answer is, I hope so. I sure hope so. Man, I'd want to know so about that. John said, I've written all of this so that you can know you have eternal life that you can know absolutely for sure whether God has you on this year for six or on this earth for six years or 60 years or 106 years, that you're absolutely certain. Not just that I've made my peace or I've talked about peace, but I know Christ is my Savior, the Prince of Peace, who I've given my life over to, who I've committed myself to Him, and that I'm absolutely certain without any doubt or any reservation that that Prince of Peace controls my life and gives me eternal peace or, or internal peace in the midst of all the external unrest going on around me. The world may sing about Rudolph, Santa Claus, and coming home for Christmas, but you and I have the opportunity to sing songs of hope, power, guidance, and peace with God. And that is a message we cannot keep to ourselves. In the 16th century, the Protestant Reformation was hugely in everybody's conversation, especially about Martin Luther and the stand that he took against the world's most powerful church. In the years following, there were a number of other controversies that arose. One of the most heated was, where did God place the earth in the midst of the cosmos? Was the earth the center of all of God's creation or just another planet taking a daily spin around the sun? Now, the church thought and taught that the earth was the center of the universe. One man had the correct answer. Copernicus, 
but he wasn't talking. He was the foremost astronomer of his day and also a highly decorated member of the church. And although his mathematical model was spot on, he couldn't bring himself to expose the errors of the past and tell the world what he discovered. How, he said, can I tell people that Plato and Aristotle were wrong? For a thousand years, the theories of those off-quoted philosophers held the world in its thinking. Sun rose in the east, set in the west. Therefore, they concluded the sun revolves around the earth. Compound their thinking that leadership liked that idea, that God staged his prized creation at the center of everything. Being the center of the universe appealed to the church. It could preach, and so it did. For 30 years, Copernicus kept the truth to himself. It wasn't until his deathbed that he allowed his work to be published and the truth to be known. What a waste. He chose to conceal the light to those who were living in darkness. God couldn't do that. And the story that we share over the next couple of weeks is a story too good to keep to ourselves, too amazing not to share, too wonderful not to embrace. The reason that we celebrate is not just to have a song for the season. We understand that we have the answers to life itself. And so we share it. Probably have said it almost every year, but you and I will have more opportunities over the next few weeks to tell what we have found in Christ and to share what we have known than probably at any other time of the year. It almost lends itself for those kinds of conversations. People will ask about what you're doing or your house being decorated or is your shopping done or what are you going to do next Sunday or what are you going to do on Christmas Eve? Almost every opportunity will open itself up for these kinds of conversations. Why you're doing what you're doing. Why you love this time of the year. Not just for the music and the lights and all the things that go with it or the presents you'll get or the ones you'll give. But we have found the answer to life. We know Jesus, and I cannot wait for the opportunity to celebrate. You see, we live on this side of everything, and we know that it didn't stop in a stable in Bethlehem. It went all the way to Calvary and the cross, and then he rose from the dead, and he offers life. And so that it's more than just a story to share and a wonderful moment in time, but it's an amazing event that we all know about. And those of us who know Christ as our Savior know the entire story. And we know that it's more than that baby in Bethlehem. But it's a Savior on a cross who rose from the dead who offers life to all. So my encouragement to you is to take advantage of those opportunities. To look for them. To have your eyes wide open, your ears wide open to what people are looking for. i got to believe that somewhere along the way you're going to have the opportunity to share with them. That you have found the answer to life. And you can't buy it. It's not in a store and it won't be wrapped up under a tree. But it is the answer to life. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't let them walk in darkness. God couldn't. And so he gave us his son. Father, we so thank you for this season. I love this time of year. And all the things that come with it. I love every aspect of it. I'm so delighted that that we have the opportunity to share what we have found in Jesus on a regular basis. And we can bring smiles and encouragement and life and laughter and love to those who are so desperate for answers and are looking for the truth. And so, Father, help us to be really alert over the next couple of days and a few weeks so that we will take advantage of those opportunities and share the love and the life that we have found in Jesus with those who are desperately looking for it and still walking in darkness. I'm so delighted that you didn't leave us there, but that you gave us light and you gave us your son. 
who gave us everything we need now and for eternity. In whose name we pray. Amen. If we can pray for you anyway, we'd love to do that. If you're not even sure how to give those kind of answers or what to say, when the questions come up, we'd love to help you. We'd love to pray through that process. You can come back tonight and celebrate with these who are going through the baptism process and in the tank and sharing their story. We'd love to have you here for that. Otherwise, God bless you. See you next Sunday as we continue our journey with him. Do not forget to get your tickets for Christmas Eve on your way out.